And so for both of you guys, how's it been? How's the break been? What have you learned? For me personally, the first like six weeks was insanely exhausting. It just happened to come at a time for me that I was like really busy with trying to put together some video projects and my wife was selling a ton of stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden there's no school and no childcare for like six weeks and we we're just just exhausting. I don't know what I learned from that. <laughs> Not much, but uh, I guess it makes you appreciate normalcy. <laughs> for, for me, it's been totally different. It's been great. I've been home. I've been just surfing. We've had amazing waves and um, just being able to watch uh, Brie grow. You're having a kid? Yeah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks, mate. That's what happens when you get injured. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's pretty epic how far along is she uh, i've got five weeks to go so oh holy shit yeah wow yeah, so. that's cool man stoked for you thanks man that's yeah. really cool it was so funny like after after i did my knee i got home and um i was talking to taj a little bit and he goes i bet you have a kid at the end of this <laughs> yeah <laughs> on the commercial side of this boys when you look at how it's how this pandemic has played out and how wide-reaching it's been. Have you got, how's that impacted you guys both? I mean, nothing's really played out yet. Um, I was thinking with former, at least, that like business was gonna all but dry up and somehow we've had like a couple good months in a row somehow, uh, which is odd. I don't don't really know what, what to uh, say for that. But um, a lot of people have, have been telling me that business-wise on the other side of this could be very opportunistic for us being a small brand that was able to like weather this where I know bigger brands are really struggling right now uh, with business just suddenly shrinking so fast. And I guess I'm waiting to see how it pans out on the other side of this, which feels like it is not going to be soon. <laughs> it's funny. Hey, like, cause I think everyone's just been stuck at home and just going absolutely mad online and just ordering you know what else? I guess I I have so many friends on unemployment that are making better money than they were being employed and working. It's going to people are going to have a really, really tough time going back to work after they're getting paid well right now by the government to do nothing. Um, it's so easy to get on unemployment here. And uh, yeah, so maybe there's just unemployment funds getting filled, siphoned into former. I guess all the surfboard brands are like, oh, is all our business is going to dry up, but the waves have been absolutely pumping and everyone's just been surfing because they haven't been working and they're getting these 1,500 <laughs> bucks. They just they just loaded up their whole boardroom. Just, yeah. The guys that I talk to are like, we've never been busier. It's it's total nuts. I can see how uh, like hard goods, like technical, technical equipment won't be affected too hard. Everybody needs wetsuits. Everybody needs surfboards. People aren't going to quit surfing, but... I'd imagine it's going to be a really tough time for apparel. With that, Dan, going back a few years when you made the decision to to leave Quicksilver and start Former, do you look back at that now and just go, I'm so stoked I am where I am, rather than being in, you know, I guess most of the brands that are, are out there have, <laughs> you know, cut people's salaries 50%, renegotiating contracts. Like, are you are you happy with the decision you made back then or is it something that you're like you're like oh um, maybe i could have held on to some money for a little bit longer oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know i can't even really i have no perspective on 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 that decision i can't really dwell on 
where I can't like go, I can't go back in time and like dwell on any choices I ever made, whether it's like leaving tour or, or leaving sponsorship or anything and have any like regret or, or feel I should have done something else. I just know where I'm at right now and, and what's ahead of me. And, um, I'm feeling pretty good about former now, but financially I would have been in a lot better place, obviously, but <laughs> that doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't know. i definitely should have milked, milked my surf career a lot harder in a logical, you know, realistic way that it wasn't a very smart decision, but I'm here right now and that's what I did. And I'm just kind of, I don't know. Like I said, it's hard for me to regret but if you think logically it was a very poor decision <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but were you happy <laughs> uh i'm always happy yeah <laughs> perfect <laughs> how's former going these days like i remember when we were in africa last year uh, i asked you that question and you sort of like uh, uh. <laughs> you, you didn't know exactly where you're standing with all that is it you feel like it's, it's starting to get a lot stronger and start to, you know, find its identity and find its place in the market? Uh, it feels like it is now, right now. Um, we've definitely had a really, really tough uh, learning curve, you know, starting. I don't think any of us really understood that we were starting a business, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. We were just like, fuck surf companies. They don't, they suck. Like, fuck skate companies. They suck. Like, we're going to do this. We hire a couple friends who hire another friend to run the business and we just, you know, toss around ideas and stuff and then run out of money. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> fuck, you gotta, you gotta sell a ton of shit to support this like system that we just set up. Uh, I mean, I just learned a lot. That's, that's, I mean, if there's any value in anything, it's just learning and yeah, just managing people is insane. It's so hard to, to expect everybody to want to make things work as hard as you do. But managing people is insane. When times get tough to let friends go is insane. I moved it into my garage and ran it by myself for like 18 months doing everything from Instagram, shipping and handling, customer service, ordering product, everything for like 18 months and kind of got out of the hole that we dug by creating this big system and spending all our money before we even had a product to sell. You know, it's like, there was like a lot of, I can't say that it's all us being stupid. There was like other issues too. But um, anyways, somehow, like I felt, I felt like it was coming into a really good stride and then coronavirus happened and I was feeling like, well, fuck, that's whatever. (laughs) <laughs> like kind of and then suddenly we're having like really good months and like business is like good i don't i don't know it's changed the way that it looks has changed a lot when we first started um our friends that we hired kind of i mean i can't no no blame but I, they feel that they used it as their art project more so than um creating a brand and an identity around craig austin and i and I feel like it's coming back and changing, being more personal to us, and um, and people are are responding. Yeah, is it that must be hard? Um, you know, there's always there's that saying of don't ever mix friends and business. Oh my God, that is I. 
even even if you need an electrician, don't even think of calling your friend up. <laughs> like, oh my god! I anytime I've hired friends for any any little service, it's you're because you're the last priority. It's so much easier to brush you off than someone that died. Uh, <laughs> totally, yeah. But in the in the defense of the people you work with, I've worked with you, Dane, and you have such a clear vision, and you are this micromanager who knows exactly what you want. And I've said this to you. I can't what think. I want though, but I cannot manage people. I'm not like a leader <laughs> in that way. And, and we had, we created this really weird bubble where it was like political, where everybody was like tiptoeing around each other and then talking behind each other's backs. <laughs> like it's just, and like, it just turned into this like sort of mountain, like this maelstrom of uh, bad communication. And, and then like, ultimately like bad vibes between friends like over t-shirt graphics <laughs> yeah. <laughs> over lettering. yeah it really truly did no so i guess taking it back to your garage so you felt it was sort of withering on the vine and you had a lack of control you brought it in people would send an email and say hey have my package in here and you'd be writing back oh your package will be arriving then and then you sign a dane and the kid's like oh sorry for saying fuck you <laughs> I wouldn't um, sign my name. That seemed too. That seems too like. Didn't you do it a couple times though? You wrote back. I did, and it felt really weird, so I just quit doing it. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> oh, I wish I knew that. I would have rung. Hey, uh, <laughs> yeah. Extra large. Order something and just make it extra super difficult on me. <laughs> you have it in pink. <laughs> yeah. And so, do you want to tell us about chapter eleven? How it's how it's going? Your sort of vision behind that. Uh, yeah. So chapter 11 came about because I'm, I'm surfing around home a lot with like this younger generation of kids and they're all making, I don't know, at least a little bit of money off surfing. And I wouldn't really be able to support surfers or mini surfers with former yet. Um, so I had the idea of giving, creating this platform, basically kind of just a way of putting out footage of our sessions and kind of cre hopefully creating a platform where they want to put footage out through. And I don't know. I just said that poorly. That's not really what I meant. Well, I've got it here. <laughs> it says what you've said on at least one, you, what you've written on the, on your blog. It's I'm forever grateful for guys like Taylor Steele and Pineapple who gave my generation a platform to do tricks to music and thankful for surf magazines and organized trips and employed surf photographers we took pictures of us, which got printed in said magazines, thus validating sponsorship. That system has collapsed and it ain't coming back. If Chapter 11 TV... Yes, I'm more eloquent in, in writing. <laughs> it's so much easier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it has, any, if it has any small part in guiding the next generation of surfers in keeping it fun while providing platform where magazines and video make it for us, then for me it's a success. It's, uh, is it working, do you think? Uh, I don't know. I've kind of just started and uh, I haven't had enough time. I am like so grateful for for having my career, whatever you want to call it, in the era that it did because there was such a clear path, like getting on the right trips, getting in the right films, um, I guess contests as well. But um, it's just it was like such a clear validation when you're getting a couple covers every year and and spreads and ads for your sponsors and video parts it's like yeah this is working now i don't know what how i do not know what everybody needs a vlog and i 
I don't know where it's going. It's it just it seems like apparel brands can't won't be able to support surfers very much anymore, and everybody's gonna have to like commodify what is that like commodify their uh youtubes and i don't know there's just new way you have to find new ways of making a career now i just miss that that um sort of path of i don't know i miss like like our boat trip mick yeah. when i was like 19 like that grew and i learned so much from you guys and i'm not saying people aren't doing boat trips anymore but it's i don't know there's just no taylor Steele or kai neville someone that's like getting groups of guys together and like creating like a generation, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. What yeah. It, it feels like, it feels like there's just, everyone's just on their own trip. That was such a, as you said, it was such a big thing to like, Oh, I'm going on a Taylor steel trip. You know, that was just like, yes, I made it. Um, you know, I look back at that boat trip that we did and there was like Andy, Taylor, Shane, yourself. Uh, it was just like, such an incredible group to be around you as you said you learned so much just from being around these guys and um now it's sort of like people are, are, are putting stuff out there but it just feels like they're just putting it out there it's like okay i'm just going to put it out there because i've got all this footage um do you feel like there's there might be someone to come along and and reshape that generation like i i don't think that's coming back because taylor Steele used to make good money off surf movies there was a reason to make surf movies there's no reason to do it anymore unless you're promoting your brand and i don't want to make like team videos or whatever but i just want want to create a place where you can learn about the person well i don't think anyone realizes how hands-on you are on the film projects then so and i don't think you've ever spoken about this and i don't know how comfortable you feel speaking about this but Marine Layer, you did all the editing, you sourced the music, you did the animations, you did the graphics. And when you go look at, say, uh, when you go look at, was it Chapter 11? It's conf I'm confused now. Chapter 11.tv. You yeah, no, like no, I'm not speaking very good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was tough. <laughs> uh, it's too early. Yeah. Like the... The upcoming piece you have on Droid with the animation scene at the start, the stop motion. Yeah. That is truly world-class. And I don't think anyone realizes that you've been so hands-on. It's so janky. It is not world-class. It is. <laughs> In it, it's so rudimentary, but it's so clever. And I don't think people realize that you've been so hands-on over the years of Marine Layer. I think they thought Marine Layer was a team. It just, was just you. And Minnie. Me and Minnie. Did Minnie uh, edit or he just shot it all for you? Uh, we had like this really backwards way of doing it. Um, he would like, he would, I would, that's kind of how I learned to edit actually is cause he'd send me stuff where I'd be like, this is cool. This is cool. That's not. And the song sucks. And then I'd like cut out the couple things and put it to a song I liked. So it was kind of a, it was a weird or like a different sort of process, but Sometimes they'd turn out real quirky because I didn't know how to really edit and I'd just lay a different track under it and it wouldn't, you know, be on time, wouldn't have like the right timing and stuff. But I think that's kind of cool sometimes too, is to not be like a, a, like a finely crafted thing, you know? It's interesting watching you work. When we made the electric acid surfboard test, I'd drive up to Carpinteria at your house and I'd never worked with someone like that because you were on, it's a backward way you edit and there's just so many files going on and, uh, I was sort of sitting over your shoulder. He's like, 
hey, do you just get, does this piss you off sitting over someone's shoulder? And I was like, oh, sort of. He said, well, that's how I used to be. So I just decided to do the editing myself because I couldn't sit over anyone's shoulder. Well, it's very easy. It's uh, The program is so, it's very easy to do. Anybody could watch YouTube and do it. And it's just, yeah, it's a matter of, yeah. How do you, how do you find, how do you find like the, the times that I've sat in the editing bay and you just watch the same clips and then listen to the same song. And then by the time of the edit comes out, you're like, I actually hate this clip. Is that <laughs> something that, that you feel or you're like, I'm really proud of this. Hope everyone enjoys it. Or once you've hit end, you're just like, I'm never watching that again. Uh, I definitely felt like that when I did chapter 11 the film yeah and i still have never watched it again but um second greatest uh, film of all time <laughs> kelly slater in black and white i think but go um, on. <laughs> no you know what my computer's too slow to like edit in real time so i don't really even know what i'm doing until i see it <laughs> so it's a it's a surprise to me when i finish it just like throwing paint at a canvas <laughs> <Kinda. blindfolded. laughs> <laughs> it's like my the the like um, clip when I'm editing with it, it's just like jumpy and like 10 pixels. <laughs> so it's a surprise when I see it. Sick. And who's, who's the, um, who's the kids that are coming out in the new, new clips? Well, I want it to be very inclusive. Uh, I don't want to like create like an exclusive crew that's in it. I want kind of anybody who's surfing around town. It's, I want it to be very Ventura centric. Uh, there's just so much funny, and I, I don't want to, I, the last thing I ever want to do is get vloggy, you know, where I have to like tell people the story. I want to like, you know, imply the stories and the sort of characters. Um, and I don't know, I, if someone's taken every wave in a whole session, I want to like document that frustration. And like, if uh, some dude's wearing a hood with booties and trunks, like that's, <laughs> I want all that stuff to be included, but not be overly silly. And so I want to be very inclusive, but uh, the kids that I've been surfing with a lot are uh, Mickey Clark and Matt McCabe and Josiah Miko and uh, Matt McCabe's not really a kid, but <laughs> just my friends that I've been surfing with. I want to, I just want it to be very inclusive and, and more about storytelling than look at me rip. So there's going to be, there's going to be, as soon as this goes to air, there's going to be a, a million kids just move up your way and just wait for you <laughs> to pull up. Me. <laughs> yeah, and go. I know. I know, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you look at uh, the words that accompany the, the clips and you spoke recently on the Black Lives Matter and you've gone and been quite outspoken on the blog, how do you... How do you frame that stuff up? Because when I look at you guys at high profile, the risk reward isn't really there. And the danger is, is if you say of anything of substance, like it's, and you've got a public platform like you do, there's so much you can lose. And like, if you make a wrong step, can you ever recover? Those, how is it for you guys when things are so heavily politicized to make a statement like you have? Uh, I don't really have much to lose. <laughs> I just, bunch of people insulting me on a website i don't really feel like that's a loss um but uh i don't know i generally genuinely i surf with matt like every day it's exactly what i said it's just honest like we're basically just like what the fuck is going on out there like because we both have like extreme right wing 
conspiracy theorist friends DMing us every day. I I guess I'm like liberal because I care about people. I don't, I don't know. I just I I just don't know what the fuck to think about stuff. And I, I me and Matt both talk about this a lot in the water. So we laughed about just like throwing that up online and letting people go at it because I was putting out this clip of us surfing together. And then I just tried, I don't have to try to stay very neutral. I am very neutral on it. And, and I just don't really understand what's going on in the world right now. Trump, I don't know, dude, you listen to Trump, it's insane. <laughs> and then I have friends that are Trump supporters. It's like- It was just such a balanced and fair thing you put, like you put together and then it didn't sound sanctimonious. It was just, uh, yeah, I was kind of looking at it going, I wonder what you get out of that, but it was just, it was a real delight to read it. I don't know. People can't talk about it without getting enraged. And I just, I don't know. I just wanted to, uh, I don't know, at, propose a lob a question at, at whoever five people are coming to my site and see if anyone, um, see if anyone had any, any good perspective to share. And for the most part, it was all a pretty positive response and, and, and pretty civil, which was nice. Yeah, and because it was just a balance and it was it was a civil collection of thoughts as well. What I wanted to talk about next was just to dive into work ethic because you guys are both, both very different in your careers, but you both, in my experience, uh, the intensity of the work you do kind of has, I think, has a direct correlation to the success you guys have had. Where did that, that drive come from for you guys? And like, it, it's so different. You're more about Control, you're more about the film and controlling how you're perceived, Dane. And then, Mick, I, your your work is just you're just always on the go. Seems like you say yes to everything. Uh, where does that come from for you guys? Um, look, I guess I guess on my side, it, it's just I just want to do the best I can with everything that I do. Um, you know, I guess at a younger at a younger age, I sort of would just say yes to everything and just be like. Blah, blah, blah okay, I'll do this, I'll do that. But then you sort of learn what you want because essentially you are, you are a brand, if, if you know what I mean. It's like, and so you, you try and align yourself with things that you feel your brand should go down those paths. Um, and, yeah, I, I sort of always just want to do the best I can do in in the realms that I've, I've had, um, you know, I sort of, I look at Dane and I, you're probably pretty similar in the, in the fact where even just filming for a clip, you're, you're like, I'm going to go hell at it and just do as best I possibly can because you don't want to look back and go, oh, I could have done that better or that better. That's, that's been the thing for me. I, I, and that's how I sort of look at Dane as well, but you can tell me if I'm wrong there. Uh, I don't really know. I don't feel like I work hard. <laughs> you don't? Uh, no, I feel like I'm more just like a control freak and uh, can't let other people do shit. Uh, and for instance, when, when I moved former into my garage and we had to cut, cut friends out of the work, whatever, um, I was just like, why would I hire someone to do this if I can do it? Why would I hire someone to do that if I can do it? And all of a sudden I'm doing everything. And uh, I guess kind of the same way with films. I'm just like, I feel I can do it or something. So I do end up doing it all. <laughs> um, but I don't know. 
You've never heard the statement, if uh, there's a carpenter down the road who can build a better house than you, let them do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is the polar opposite of me. No, I just should. I wish. When we were trying um, to clear the music mix for Electric Acid, uh, Dane went through and he scored the whole soundtrack and used Sun Ra <laughs> and a bunch of sick, like some old music, some contemporary music. And he's like, can you go clear these? And I was like, how, how set on this song are we? And Dan's like, it's got to be in there. I was like, okay, cool. That one's two and a half thousand. How set on this song are we? He goes, oh, that one definitely has to be in there. That one's four thousand. I'm like, fuck. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I went to every track, and they were all non-negotiables because it's eighteen and a half thousand US to, to fund a soundtrack. Yeah. And you're just so hell bent on like the, the toppling of the ball through the rocks in the opening scene, like just small parts out of a track, and. I guess that that's why the film was so good, but um, you do have a real clear vision in your head and you do micromanage your project. And I would hate to have you as a boss, which I've said to you many times. No, I'm a terrible boss. I can't, I can't let anyone, uh, I don't know. I, I can't manage people. I was so bad at it. <laughs> do you feel like you do that? Um, like say if, if we went back in time and, you know, we're doing, um, the Taylor Steele movies and Kai Neville movies and stuff like that. Do you feel like you would micromanage them now or oh God. would you have I, enough would... trust in them? Just go, you go do it. Cause I feel like I, I go on these trips and with people that I trust, I'm like, just show me the end result. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would struggle with that, <laughs> but uh, out of like, um, I don't know because I, I I like cherish that time and stuff. I would have to, but um, I do have trouble letting um, letting someone control what what comes uh, comes out. <laughs> There's nothing more frightening than sending your piece of work on a Vimeo link because you just know you're going to be underwhelmed and disappointed. That's just like instinctual, and so it's like how much how much do you hate it? It's nah. like when you said, I always you give s- you positive feedback. Yeah, it's uh, positive, constructive feedback. Yeah. <laughs> now I kind of just know that it's going to be really hard to get something that, that you love. So, just like if it's a decent result, then I'll just take that. But I think, I think also, too, you, you see um, like actors and stuff like that, they start out as actors, but then they move into directors and and producers and stuff like that sort of feel like that's the role that you're taking on there, Dane. You, you, you want to produce and direct your own film. And I don't see that there's anything wrong with that. Nah, it's a little self-indulgent, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I don't know. Um, Mick, what do you think? <laughs> What do you think drove you so hard to, cause I, I'm like driven, but I don't know. I don't have a goal. I don't know why I'm driven to like do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think made, made like, what, what made you so driven to um, win world titles and, and, and be the best surfer you could be? Yeah. It was, I don't know. I think it was just as a young kid, I always did like the extras at, at soccer training or, you know, the extra training at, um, running um and then it sort of got to a point where 
I would lay awake at, at night just thinking, oh, I could have done this better or I could have done that better or why didn't I, um, why didn't I try this when I was asked or something like that. And, and it started to drive me a little mad. And so that's why I, I was like, if I, if I do everything that I'm, I'm asked or everything that I believe I should and do it as best I can, then I can sleep at night, win, lose or draw. Um, and so that was, that was my, my focus was, and I actually, I've said this story many times, but I remember watching this one heat years ago and I was hung over a little bit from like a couple of days before. And I, was I it only, Newcastle? Nah, I, I did that one drunk. You, <laughs> have we talked about this before? Uh, well, I think we may have. <laughs> I don't know. Cause I was like, Maybe like, oh, no, because I knew you. I, I came and stayed with you and I was like 15 or something. So I was younger mm. than that. I don't know what I was doing in Australia. But uh, I remember being like, fuck, I'm going to wake up early and watch Mickey's first heat. Like, I can't wait to see Mick serve. <laughs> and then you like couldn't get up. <laughs> oh, I that You're one. like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember that heat. Like, because Newcastle was always like. it was a, Remember a the QS? Black Flies party? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Newcastle was always that one where you just went, we're just going to go have fun. Like it was the QS yeah. didn't really matter. And yeah, I remember the heat you're talking about. And I paddled out my first, I was first heat in the morning and I'd set my alarm and go out to, I had a curfew of 11 o'clock. Sometimes it got pushed, pushed to midnight and um, was having too much fun. And, um, and then I, I, that one heat, I, I paddled out and I had a, it was Ace Buck and Ben Dunn and um, I forget who the, the fourth guy was, but I sat next to Ace and I smelled so bad of alcohol that he had to paddle away from me. <laughs> and then my first three waves, I couldn't even stand up. I just fell over <laughs> the front of my board and I was laughing at myself so much. And then I, and then all of a sudden this drive kicked in and he's like, you're an idiot. You're embarrassing yourself. You're this and that. And I was just like, I just had to <laughs> put it together and somehow put it together and caught two waves and snuck through the heat. But, oh, my God, I remember that heat. I was, yeah, I was so drunk. My mates were laughing at me because they only just got home and I was sitting on the balcony and just laughing the whole time, just going, you know, idiot. <laughs> hey, my name is Chris here in Texas. wanted to ask Dane while he was on tour, although he wasn't, you know, winning events, it seemed like all the top guys knew that he was maybe the best surfer in the world. And I uh, just want to know how that made him feel, if he acknowledged that. And do you still feel like you're the, one of the best surfers in the world? I don't know. It actually made me feel really weird. I didn't feel like that was... I have this thing of, like, looking at what other people are doing and thinking that what they're doing is better. They have it all figured out. And I've got a lot to learn or something like that. And I never, never made me feel awkward and yeah strange <laughs> never really believed that and uh no not one of the best surfers in the world sort of to elaborate on that it's sort of hard yeah i'm the best surfer in the world but <laughs> yeah when you won your world title did you feel did that make you feel or your titles but did you like feel like fuck yeah i'm the best surfer in the world yeah i'm the man no not at all <laughs> <laughs> No, I I always looked at it as I was the best competitive surfer in the world. You know, I I wasn't the guy putting out the mega highlight reels or anything like that. Um, 
you know, I, I looked at, I looked at yourself, Dane, and you know, there's, there's so many highlight reels throughout events where a heat would all just come together for you. Um, probably my favorite event of watching you surf was at J Bay that one year where I think you made the semis, but I, I still like, even when I'm talking to kids and, and referencing good surfing, I always send these kids to that, the clips of through that event, just because you're so on point, you had so much time and so much, um, just so much uh, variation on a way that many people don't. And right then and there, it's like, no one's doing better surfing than that. You might may have never won the contest, but no one was doing better surfing than that. Um, so I think that's probably where, where people are sitting there going, well, that's what we mean when we're saying you're the best surfer in the world at those times. Like, well, that's, that's really cool. I appreciate that. But um, that's weird because I never felt like I surfed J-Bay very good. I, I feel out of time at J-Bay. I can't figure out how, when to do a cutback, when to drive forward. I feel so like uncomfortable, not uncomfortable, but not like in control of J-Bay when I surf it. Um, but that's funny. But the thing is, I always took a lot of pride in going 100%. I only wanted to, I didn't want to surf at 70% ever, like to, not to make a heat or anything. That was like my goal at events, kind of. Uh, like win or lose, I just wanted to surf 100%, even if I didn't make a turn, like just like no, no holding back, kind of. I'm really hard on myself, taxing to like put that much pressure on yourself. Mm. Did, you, did you ever feel like you like come in from a heat and go, oh, I wish I only went 70% just so I could beat that guy no. or not? Well, no. <laughs> see, that's, that's, that's the thing. It's like you can go to sleep at night and go. Yeah, that was my car. thing. Yeah, 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 that's your thing. You owned it. Where I was the other thing. I was just like, why don't I just pull up a little bit here or push yeah. a little harder there? It was just so different. But, um, yeah. It's funny even to think back to like NSSA, like amateur ones at, um, at uh, I remember nationals when I was like 15 or 16. Um I like in the, in the final did this, like at the time for me, crazy air and like almost made it. Didn't quite make it. Didn't get the score, but the photo, it looked like I kind of made it. And that made like a two page spread and like the write up of the, uh, the NSSA. And I was just like, fuck yeah. Like that was worth it more than winning the contest. <laughs> I don't know. You, you find that still with kids today too. Like you have a look at, um, you know, there's a group of guys on tour. So there's um, Gabe, Idolo, Philippe, Julian, who, even though they're not in the same heat together, they're sitting there and they're competing in their own heats against each other to get that highlight reel. And it's yeah. like, and then they're all still fighting for world titles and stuff like that. It's like, try and just tell them, hey, just don't worry about those guys. Do the highlight reel when you're actually against them. And yeah. you know you, you know you go on and win world titles, but they're like nah. Especially someone like Julian, he's just like nah. I'm going all out. That's it. If I win all out, then that's the way I want to do it. And I respect that. I, I think that's no, everyone to their own in each individual way. Um, but yeah, I hope that it doesn't come back and be like, oh, I wish I just did that or something like that. You, you don't ever want those regrets. Yeah. I guess it's just different goals you know mm, definitely like, making videos was very competitive too like doing taylor steel trips and 
uh, trying to get, wanting to get the last section and like modern collective. It was very competitive, just a different format, you know? Mm. I feel like that's more competitive. I know it's stressful. I would stress out, like, especially cluster, cluster, the last Taylor, uh, Ty Neville movie. I was like, felt like kind of the older guy. And I was like, Fuck. If I'm the only one with a shit section in this. I'm done. Like I'm, I'm like, you know, it's so, it's so stressful to surf. Like that's the thing about chapter 11 TV for me is I want to keep the threshold super low on, on, you know, quality of surfing and focus more on just like putting stuff out there because that's fun for me. Surfing, like you're trying to get the last section for safe. Like I was trying to do snap four or something like that. It would be like seeing Jack Robinson's Instagrams and being like, he's putting that on Instagram. That's better than my whole fuck. Like, Oh my <laughs> God. And it's weird. Cause I don't want to like beat people. I just don't want to be smashed. <laughs> <You wanna>? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's your goal. <laughs> yeah. Just don't get smashed. <laughs> yeah. That's why I never put out video parts. <laughs> it's stressful too. Yeah. yeah. Hi there, my name is Mikel, I'm from Northern Spain, and I was just wondering, Dane, do you feel like your performance has already reached its maximum, or are you still progressing? Uh, definitely not progressing. <laughs> <laughs> progressing downward. Um, uh, I, I, just, I try not to put too much pressure on myself these days and, and just enjoy surfing and Again, with the Chapter 11 TV, having other kids involved and it being a platform for them as well, kind of not only does it take the pressure off me, but it gives it another sort of aspect, another purpose. Yeah, so I don't, I don't really, I don't mind where I'm, where my surfing's at right now. I, I don't know. I appreciate it a lot more these days, and um, it's fun. <laughs> you know, when I was filming for Cluster or for modern collective and stuff at that point i did like the competitiveness of it and trying to get the last part but it did stress me the fuck out and i'm like happy with being okay with how i'm surfing right now it's just i i enjoy it it's like even like this morning it's so funny i just it's like the most magic thing just everything about riding waves it's like so unique like this morning i surfed and it was one foot and this old dude came up to me and was telling me about how he has like all this footage from Emma Wood in the seventies and um, favorite best, best um, hurricane swell was in 78 and used to have to call nine, six, seven surf for the surf forecast in the morning. But if you were, if you were a, uh, someone that did that surf forecast, you're a trader and you wouldn't be allowed at the beach. And like, I don't know. I was like, fuck, it's just so every time you enter the ocean, it's like something happens where you're like yeah i'm not surfing as good but it's more fun these days <laughs> I, I i i appreciate it a lot more <laughs> what do you love about surfing mick at the moment for, for me like once you step away from competition side like i feel like i see a lot more and i appreciate a lot more because i'm not just trying to just perfect this one thing the whole time over um you know i i sit me out in the water i feel like i can appreciate just a learn to surf, just getting up or appreciate a little kid learning to do a turn or just, just watching other people is, is way more fun. And then when I get a, a wave, it's like, oh, just trying new things or just trying to, um, 
do things that make me feel good, like a term that I feel good with, then that's perfect. But then if I have a shit surf or surf like shit and I see like a dolphin or something, I'm happy anyway. So it's, I just feel like I come in a lot happier now than what I used to rather than when I had to go and chase events. And what do you guys like? What, what don't you like about surfing? Vlogs. Vlogs. <laughs> 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 Just vlogs. That's I it. don't know. I don't want to talk shit on what anybody's doing and if it makes them happy, that's cool. But um, it just, I don't know. I'll talk about self-indulgent and like, I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not just surfing. That's not just surfing though, you know. What I will say on that is, and it's not my cup of tea, but I am so impressed some people do do it very well yes jamie o'brien creates two films a week and like the work ethic that he must have to deliver those two projects a week on time to try to come up with a new two storylines a week is so impressed uh yeah i'm so impressed by that like it's um he just doesn't stop and to try to deliver two deadlines a week you know what it's like to make a film day oh i know it's insane uh, and so, I just feel like a, it's, it's, you end up like a caricature of yourself, though, and you're like playing a role, and your life becomes, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's reality, but it's not like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, people, people expect you to be that hot all the time. I remember Midget Magic saying that, you know, when the, when the Mad Who is bringing yeah. him, he's doing shoeies, and they just put. You gotta be a mad or, hooey every single goddamn day. Yeah. And it's like it's like seven o'clock in the morning. And these guys are drinking still, and they're like, "Do a shoey," and he's like, "Fuck, I just want to go serve." And they're like, "Do a shoey," and you're yeah. like, "Fuck." <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Mick, I have a mm. question for you. How did you handle like retirement? Like, because you went from competing at the top level chasing world titles and then it's done like that must have been really weird yeah it was wasn't it wasn't um it was i guess i sort of had the um the half year in 2016 where i only just did a few events um and the first half of that was really weird like I would be sitting on the couch going, I've got to go do something. I've got to do something. I've got to get ready for the next event. And then I'm like, I'm not even in the next event. So what are you doing? So it was slowly just um, just transitioning to, to let myself, okay, it's okay to take some time out and this and that. Um, but I sort of found myself just annoying um, my sponsors, uh, filmers or photographers, like, let's go do something. And they're like, it's one foot. I'm like, so let's go do something. You know, it's just, I, it was, I was always trying to work and like that worth ethic was still there. I just didn't have the heart to compete anymore. Um, so I, it was okay to step away from the events, but just learning to s- step away from actual work from here and there. Um, mm. I'm going to relearn that again after COVID because I feel like I'm being way too busy. <laughs> but um yeah, it was it was definitely hard. But speaking to other people, you know, I had a good conversation with Bede about it. And, you know, he went straight into an office job and he was just like, I'm not ready for this. And, you know, he's, he's psychological. 
just went down a little bit where it's just like, oh, I, this is hard. This is really, really hard. I've got nothing to work towards, got nothing to work for. And he just felt like he was totally lost there for a while. So it, it, it is a difficult, difficult thing. Like, yeah. Especially when you, cause it, like when you're competing too, that's your like validation is winning heats. That's what makes, that's your like, makes you feel good. And then all of a sudden there isn't that. Mm. Yeah, just, I just would imagine it's tough transition. Yeah. Like how did you go when you left the tour? You were just like, oh, I'm done anyway. So it's sweet. <laughs> Um, I mean, I was already like applying most of my focus to surf films and, um, I, I just, well, yeah, I just went focused really hard on trying to do the best surfing I'd ever done. And for Deer Suburbia, that was like, my goal was to like do better surfing in that than I had ever done in a contest just to like prove that to myself or whatever, that that's the right path or something. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> we did that. <laughs> I think the big opportunity will be with Chapter 11, Dane. I think the fact that we think everything should be free, and I don't think free is necessarily gets you the best quality. And I think if you made a surf film which was equivalent of Dear Suburbia or a Taylor Steel film, the contemporary version of that, and it was 30 or 40 bucks, I think no one would have any problem paying for that. And there's 10,000 people paying not- 30, 40 bucks. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to think people would pay for stuff, but I don't know. I absolutely know they would. What's What's the go now? Like, you sort of, you sort of have that. Like, I sit there and pay for USC fights, or you sit there and you like. I would pay to watch the tour, but then also too, I would pay thirty bucks, like we did when we were kids, to to get the latest greatest film ever, like. Is that but if you're that, the only one that oh sorry you're right yeah oh if you're the only one that's charging thirty bucks they'll just go elsewhere though like you know everyone else just puts their content out free I I don't know I'd like to think that but if you had an all star cast like you know you know what it was like in the momentum generation you had an all star yeah. cast and you knew it was going to be insane quality I wouldn't have a problem with that like yeah. I sort of get lost in all these um, two to five minute clips on instagram because there's just so many everyone's doing one like oh did you see this guy's clip no did you see this guy's clip like a lot of it you only see it because it's getting pushed on you through other channels but i don't know i'd love to see for kids to to put all their work together like they did back in the day and i would pay i think that takes somebody guide somebody's guidance you know like like a taylor steeler kai neville or a daniel Maybe, but exactly. Uh, Thank you, Mick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it has to be me because there's no money in it. There's no like purpose for anyone else to get into it. But we've got these vanity metrics. Oh, I had a million views. Had 1.5 million views. If you want anything to be, if you want massive views, it's really easy to do. Like it's it's easy to game the system, but it means you dumb it down. But why don't you just go and go? Okay, 10,000 people buy it. That's a good result. And then you've got 10,000 people, 30 boxes, 300 grand. That's enough for you to invest in a project, buy the music, make what you want to make. This thing about chasing these stupid numbers, because there's just these, oh, I had 2 million views. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, yeah. And I think that will be the future. So, but it needs to be a culture shifter like yourself. It can't be someone, I don't think, from left field because they need that credibility that people trust. And mm-hmm. they want to feel like they're in some exclusive club. It'd be 
great to bring that back. Like as we were kids watching, you'd wear the tape out in the VCR just because you rewind oh, to your yeah. favourite section or you knew exactly what second it was on, you know. It's- yeah. This is Peter from Colorado, USA. Mick, do you remember when and where you first heard about Dane Reynolds? What was he known for back then? And when was it, if you can remember? Yeah, I remember. Probably when I showed up at your house. <laughs> no, nah, it wasn't. It was before oh. that. Uh, it was Huntington Beach. And you were in um, the Pro Junior there. I was in the QS. And I went down and watched the heat. And I think you made the final. And you got fourth. And um, you, were, you were tiny back then too. You were just like this little dude with big buck teeth. <laughs> and um, I just saw you run out. I think you might have been in the final with Parker or something and never heard of you before. And then you go out and you did this wild, big foam climb, backhand floater where the thing was so wild. I was like, wow, this kid has got something. And then kind of foam um, climb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Foam climbs like, are sick though. They're underrated for sure. Yeah. But it was like, you know, those ones where you go, you jump up on the falling lip and go like that. It was, uh, it was nuts. And I was just like, and that was in your, I think it was one of the first heats before, before the final. And I went down and I remember watching your heats over and over again. I was like, I want to see, I want to see more of this kid. And, and um, so, yeah, I was, I was watching you at Huntington and you're only, I think you're maybe 14 or you're really young. Um, And uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm into this kid. And then next time I saw you was, yeah, when you rocked up my doorstep and uh, (laughs) come and stay. Oh, you better tell this story. (laughs) Yeah, well, I got this phone call because we were both sponsored by Rip Curl and Reef at the time. And um, I got this, um, I got this, phone call from the reef team manager at the time he's like hey can you go pick up this kid from burley i'm like yeah no worries and he's like we're gonna go down to um Angari and do a trip and i'm like yeah no worries i can bring him down and went and pick him up and it was dane and i was like oh cool and uh drove down we hung out for a week and i think um me and Lowie might have been bad influences at the time, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i think you were only 16 but that was like when um I think Kelly has just just put out the thing of doing the rodeo clown and that, and and Dane was doing those, and we we're just like, whoa, this kid is next level, and uh, yeah, so that's sort of where the the relationship started back then. What else happened? I don't know. I remember you going really fast in your car. <laughs> yeah, that's where I had the black. Picking ears. up some picking up some PhDs and then going like ninety <laughs> down like a little road and yeah. Yeah, back when back when uh, fast cars were a thing. Hello, I'm Julio Caprara, and I'm from Rome. I would like to know from both, from uh, Mick and from Dane, which is the gnarliest spot they ever served or the gnarliest session they ever had. I remember one um, where it wasn't like we sort of were onlookers. I think Dane, but um, it was we're at in Indo at the hole on that boat trip and uh, and Shane and Andy were filming for a campaign and Shane and Andy just went to this whole new level of like psychopathic seeing what they could do and at the hole it's like tube at the start and then it goes 
pretty much bone dry at the end. And Shane did a snap on the end section and Andy looked over and just goes, did you just do a Rio on the end section? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then his brain just ticked and he didn't really care. Like he was going so gnarly at the start of the way. But then as soon as he got to the dry section at the end, he's like, I've got to do a better snap than Shane on the end. And we were just sitting there going, I'm just happy getting barreled and doing a cutback. And those two just went absolutely loony, just trying to kill each other on the on these end sections. That was probably one of the gnarliest sessions that we've actually been together for, for me anyway the intensity definitely of- I, w- I was thinking like like gnarly waves but yeah that was that was like a pretty damn groundbreaking se- session like andy was going so nuts on the like thick like i went on a boat trip maybe like the year before with like friends and and we're like all getting like little head dips at the hole and then that session i was like holy fuck this i guess this is how you're meant to do it like yeah <laughs> they were going like vertical into the lip like just huge thick like dry sections you had so yeah. many clips and campaign from that session yeah memory style um blair's board too the rusty or something the rusty and just yeah. going. he's like no Blair, i'm having this thing now <laughs> just yeah. stole his whole board <laughs> but yeah that that was like the first time that it was like the first time I ever felt like that com- competitive um, arena when actually filming for a section in a movie. It was, and it was just us, I believe, too. So it was just yeah. like everybody trading off waves and like, yeah, that was sick. That was sick. It was really fun. So did you guys sit it out or did you go get a part of the rotation? Oh, we are in the rotation, but we are probably – we weren't going across the dry reef and, and then having to paddle out against it. We were like, oh, the end section's coming. I'm kicking oh, it out. Straight <laughs> out of that end section. Yeah. <laughs> I went back there. I went back there um, a few years later and I was like, just was revisiting that, that session and, uh, and I was like, oh, I'm going to smash this end section like Andy did. And then I got there and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm out of here still. <laughs> Dude, I thought the same thing about uh, that kale wash. Have you ever served Jimmy's? Nah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, anyways, that kid, Kale Walsh, is like doing airs off the end section in that he just put out a video. And I was there. I would not touch that end section. It's like, it's straight. It's so fucked. Oh. This is Tavo from Guadalajara, Mexico, and I want to ask Dane how does he manage to do so big as airs, and what is his favorite wave here in Mexico? Shout out to my mom. <laughs> That's hey, sick. mom. <laughs> I want to know this too. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a while. Um, <laughs> first, you got to go real fast, and then uh, and then hit the lip. <laughs> I don't know. Um, actually, you know what? Try it over and over and over. That's how you do. That's how you get there. It's just repetition and um, yeah, trying, trying as much. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe like not worrying so much about making it a lot so that you get higher. <laughs> Bad advice. And then favorite wave in Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Probably just those, the points in Selena Cruisers, just so fun. Can't really beat that. I was talking to um, I was talking to Fisher yesterday about 
that trip we did down there that time. Yeah. And um, we were, we, we, he's like, remember that first session, how, how good Dane was surfing? And it was like, yeah, I remember. Uh, and it was like, seriously, I, I think this was your first year off tour, maybe even. And um, I was looking. I was, that was my first trip. or I was coming off of like a six-month injury. That was my first trip. I remember that. I don't yeah, know. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, the, the surfing, we, we were just saying yesterday, that was being live in person, being out in the water. Like the, the surfing that you did there was like as good as it got. Like there was no one doing That's- any of the things that you were doing. And there was this one turn in particular where you were like, you're coming through, I think it was might have been like your first or second wave and you've just come and just done this big grab rail and then all of a sudden you've just spun it into a reverse. And I was just like, fuck this, I'm going in. I'm over this. <laughs> just sat on the beach. You know what's funny about that is I, I remember all – I. All I was trying to do was a grab rail cutback, but I placed the cutback too tight in the pocket. That was that. <laughs> it's still uh, that's really random. Right? Really random that you and Fisher were talking about that yesterday. That's <laughs> <laughs> such a random scene. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Fisher was like, oh, fuck, I wish I was better back then. So I could have actually oh. got a clip. And I was just like, no. I swear the best. There. Oh, yeah, he was so bummed. I put one clip of him pulling into a closeout. Yeah. He's so bummed. <laughs> <laughs> he just yeah. needs hey. to ride a dick. That's, yeah, he serves totally. the best on that board. <laughs> so good on the dick. Are you, guys, <laughs> are you guys surprised that the, of the rise and rise of fish? Like it, it seems like he was always destined for this kind of greatness. I don't. I, I I swear you could put him anywhere and he would stand out from the crowd. He's just he was just so funny. Just. He's just a character. Um, you know, you know, you always tell these people, oh, this guy's so funny, and you meet him, and it's not that funny. With fish, <laughs> he's exactly the same person each and every day of the of the year. He's just incredible. <laughs> Do you ever hear the story about where he where he grabbed Taj and he took Taj through uh, took Taj through like through the crowd in WA? Just to show, just to show Taj how famous he was. People coming up to him. <laughs> <That's amazing>. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That's cool. My name is Samay from Jacksonville, Florida, and I just want to ask, what did you enjoy filming more, the stab in the dark or the electric acid surf test? Thanks, bud. Man, I don't know. They're they're both both were were really fun projects to work on, just because we got good waves and. Um, and it's always fun kind of, um, dissecting surfboards and riding different equipment and, um, uh, electric acid test was pretty dang special. We got a lot of sessions where it was just us out and, uh, I don't know the surfboard we're so the surfboards were so like eclectic and odd that I felt no pressure to surf well on them. So without that pressure, it was a lot of fun. And in turn, I felt like I surfed better. Because uh, if it's shit, you're like, fuck, that board sucks. Like, that thing's bizarre, you know? Whereas normal shortboards, there's so much less variation between them. And there's only so much you can um, blame on the surfboard. 
Um, yeah, so probably electric acid test. Out of both of those two movies or two two projects, what was the one board that you were just like, I'm going to keep this board? Like, definitely the Ryan Birch uh, from yeah. Electric Acid Surfboard Test. That was like uh, just such a unique feeling. Like it's, I don't know, just the asymmetric and and twin fin and narrow narrow with a lot of rocker it's like 17 it's probably 17 and three quarters wide or something like that super narrow but it has a lot of rocker and the nose probably doesn't really do it any favors but the whole thing is just such a like refreshing surfing experience um i would definitely held on to that i don't know what happened to it we still got it i took i tried to ride at jbay after i had that surgery after when we did oh the, yeah uh, did you like it i forget Oh, don't have me judge a surfboard. Yeah, that's not that's not fair to any shaper. <laughs> <laughs> On that same sort of thing, where do you, where do you see surfboards going now? Like you've always, um, you would never sort of stuck to the norm. Not saying that you didn't ride high performance boards, but you sort of went a lot shorter and wider than than most people earlier on. Um, you know, I guess one of the things that stuck out was um, the dumpster diver you rode at Trestles. And then following that, you, you rode that, um, that twin fin of Machado's that you stole. Um, where do you see surfboards moving for the future? Um, I, you know, it's like almost kind of sad, I guess, talking to people in surf shops, like, Soft tops are going well. Not sad for you, but soft tops. Buy my surfboards. Soft tops. Soft tops apparently sell ten times, tenfold over like performance shortboards. It's sad, but um, it was. I don't know what I was saying, but there's not a whole lot of reason for surfboard manufacturers to create high performance equipment. Um, I guess now it gets comes back to like. I don't really know. How do you think that like uh, like tour surfers boards have changed in the past five years? I think they've just gotten shorter, wider and thicker. Um, you know, I sort of, you know, I guess with people like John riding, you know, he doesn't ride anything over a 6.6 six out huge pipeline where back in the day you're riding seven sixes and stuff mm. like that. I think that that's all come. Um, but yeah, it's 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 sort of a weird one. I, I'd like to see, you know, I guess when I first got onto it, guys were riding minimum six one, um, and you know, just over eighteen wide. Yeah. Um, there's a kid. There's a kid at home at the moment. His name's Ben Webb, and he's been making um, those type of surfboards around here, and he's been absolutely ripping on them, and that's bunch of kids that are jumping on them and they're all absolutely loving them and it's just so nice to see the different lines of, the, of a longer board um you know that could be a way but i still think it's i, I wouldn't want to see them go any shorter than what they are now i, I still feel like there's a, a minimum length i think some people ride way too short and it just yeah. doesn't look right um I guess the reason I asked that is because I remember probably uh, probably more than five years ago now, but I remember Jordy telling someone that he thought boards were as good as they were going to get, that there was like no room for 
evolution and like the high performance shortboard. And I was curious. I don't really even know what guys are riding on tour anymore. I, but yeah, I was curious how much they've evolved. I guess I, I guess it's noticeable, shorter, a mm. little thicker. Um, I think but, a lot of people are still playing with the, um, you know, the materials. Um, but for me personally, I, I just can't keep coming back to um, the standard standard shortboard. I, it's nothing better when the waves are good. It, yeah. it works for a reason. Uh, you know, I find epoxy is just sort of flimsy out or something like that. But but then you talk about someone like Ryan Birch as well. Like I think people are getting more creative in that realm, and I think uh, the consumer is trying is not as scared to go and try a twin fin or go and try a, an ASIM or something like that because you see people like yourself riding them or or someone like Bert ride them where they're, they're absolutely ripping still and the feeling is just so different. So I think that might be a, a way that people might go, but on tour I can't see people changing too much. Yeah. Apparently Idolo's boards are really 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 flat if you, i don't know if you've ever checked them out i haven't i haven't uh um, he's always surfing <laughs> running around <laughs> taking him to grab one <laughs> yeah <laughs> i guess i got one more one more um say for for kids like obviously the the tool was there that they well it should come back anyway but um you know, there's a, there's a pathway for kids to, to make it on tour, but is there any advice out there on how to be like one of the top free surfers in the world? Like, you know, what would you like to see their cameraman do or, you know, cause there are a lot of kids going out there and doing these movies. Like, is it more scenic or is it just funny shit or, um, you know, the type of surfing they're doing? Yeah. Um, so, so this kid, this kid wants to be a free surfer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, um, he, he, he wants to make famous. films and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I guess that comes right back to like when I was growing up. There was a clear path to do that by aligning yourself with Taylor Steele guys. Taylor Steele. There was also a lot of others, though. There's Josh Williams. There was Taylor Steele. There was like people that were putting together trips that were paid for by magazines. And there's this like clear path of getting into that free surfing realm if you're surfing good. Um, and right now, I don't really know what you would do. It, it's but it, it's also as accessible as ever. You can just put your own YouTube's up. I don't really know how you gain traction doing that either, though. You know, like just throwing out videos, unless you're doing insane surfing. Unless you're doing the most insane surfing in the world, you have to figure out a way to tell your story uniquely. Um, and if you're silly, if you feel like being silly on camera and doing pranks and stuff, that might work for you. It's got to be genuine, whatever you do. You can't, you can't try to develop a persona or... Um, can't be anything other than yourself because that it's that sounds so cliche and broad like it's such a broad statement but i just feel like genuinity it's not a word but being genuine just i think shines through 
so much clearer than it's just glaringly obvious when somebody's trying to be trying to portray something that isn't pure or real. So yeah. be yourself. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then with the with the edits and the filmers and stuff, like, you know, there's there's a lot of filmers putting all these pretty images to to load up the start of the video. Are you into that or you know, changing up angles? Um, for me, just videos just need some sort of context or purpose beyond look at me rip. Uh, that that's what captures my attention. If is if there's some unique angle, um, not not physical angle on the wave or whatever, but just some um, some storyline, some other aspect that gives it purpose and reason for um, existing, really. But um, I also think that high quality surfing, high performance surfing, is is essential. Um, you gotta, you gotta rip. <laughs> yeah, that, you just have to get the, you have to get the right um, balance for yourself. Again, like if you, if you want to be silly and do jokes, like there's definitely an audience for that, and that's that's sick. You know, you'd be a mad hooey. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> essentially, don't try, you just don't try to, too hard. <laughs> yeah, essentially, you want to be taken on a journey, but you want to feel like it's real. Yeah, totally. Yeah, whatever that journey is, just. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds there you go. <laughs> sounds really <laughs> cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get creative. That's good. That's good awesome. advice. <laughs> well, thank you, fellas. I appreciate the time. Nice cool. one. Thanks, Danny. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it, mate. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Oh, good. Soon. Take care, mate. Yeah. Cheers, boys. Thanks. Later. See you, lads. Bye.